Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell, and this is episode 100. I cannot believe we have made it to episode 100. It has went by so fast. It has been a challenge, but we're here. 100 episodes of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I want to start off by saying thank you to everyone who has been listening. Mm-hmm. If you are new to the show, we are so thankful you are here. And you got a lot of catching up to do, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, we're going to continue to put out some quality outdoor content for you. For episode 100, it is spring. We love spring. We've been talking about fishing. We're getting ready to talk about turkey hunting. But today, one of our favorite and most reoccurring from when we were little teeny tiny kids all the way to now, outdoor spring tasks. Morel mushroom oh, hunting. Yes. That is our topic Woo! for episode 100. We were out morel mushroom hunting yesterday. I had morel mushrooms for supper last night, if that tells you how our morel mushroom hunting went. We're going to be talking all about old wives' tales, some of the science behind morels, the ones you can eat, the ones you shouldn't eat, and maybe some tips and tricks too that can help you go find some morel mushroom hunting. But before we dive in to episode 100, Ben, Let's give some thanks. My thanks goes out to everyone that's impacted my life. I wouldn't be able to enjoy the, really enjoy the excitement of morel mushroom hunting if no one ever taught me, if no one ever gave me like the excitement and encouragement to go out and do it and try and teach me. So everyone involved in my life, which has got me to where I'm at today, I give thanks to, and you know who you are. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. One more time to everyone that has helped us to get to this episode 100. We have learned so much about podcasting, about the outdoors, about experiences. We could not do what we're doing without the help of other people. So thank you. Because it's episode 100, I want to give thanks to... It's gonna, I feel like I'm going to be like getting an award on an award show here. I want to give <laughs> thanks to everybody that really has even allowed for this to happen or supported to get to this point. And if I forget somebody, if you're like, oh my goodness, I did this, I am so sorry, but please know I'm thankful for you. But first I want to start with our wives, Ben. Uh, You know, they work hard every single day, not only to take care of our kids, but they're providing the brunt of the financial load for our families right now. And and they are doing that willingly so that you and I can pursue our passions. And I'm just so thankful for that so that we can do things like start a podcast so first, so thankful for those two beautiful, strong women. Amen. Um, thankful to uh, even <laughs> our parents that that watch our kids. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we have young kids, some that are in school, some that are not. But when we need help watching our kids so that we can get work done, they're there to step up and take care of our children for yes, us. They are people that have become patrons on our Patreon page that are giving financially to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. You know, you guys give just enough that we can pay for what the podcast costs to produce. So not a whole lot of profit coming from it, but we have enough money coming in that we yeah, get no, to no pay profit. for equipment. No, <laughs> no profit. profit. No profit, but we're paying for yes. what we need. We're paying for the equipment. We're paying for our po- our podcasting platform so that the episodes actually go out yeah. each and every time that we load one up. And then all the people who have listened, the, the people who have left reviews, the people who have joined the podcast Q&A page, 
I'm sure I could go on and on. Uh, the videos that we make and put on social media that go with the podcast, the people that like and comment on them, we're so thankful for all of you. All of that goes a long, long way. The people that we meet in person and you say, hey, I've been listening and I liked uh, such and such episode, all of that means so much to us because I, there are just days. There are some days where we ask ourselves, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Why in the world are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden somebody will come to us and be like, you know what? That one episode you did about uh, slander, it helped me so much. And that gives us meaning to what we're doing. Um, And some days we lose that. Everything in life that we do is measured somehow. Business is measured with finances. Uh, Ministry is measured with salvations. You could go on and on. You know, fishing is measured with how much you catch and hunting is measured by what you harvest. You could go on and on. Morel mushroom hunting, how many did you find? Everything is measured by something. And so when we get some of that measurement feedback of, hey, you helped me, it really does give us just the motivation we need to keep fighting through and grinding on some of those hard days. Yeah, and I guess at the end of the day, the one that we must thank the most is God. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I want to thank God for really placing all these people. Every person that Brian's talked about was placed there because God prompted them and they followed through. They did what they were they were asked to do, and thank you. Yeah, when God's people show up, great things can happen. So we ask that you keep showing up, uh, whether it's for the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, whether it's for Ben and Brian, whether it's for your family or where you work when you're prompted to show up um, by our Savior. Show up. Do the hard things. Do the things that uh, may require you to sacrifice because when God's people show up, not only does it bring you joy, it brings God joy and the people that you're helping joy. And really that's all we're, we're looking for here in this world. God's will, for sure. Amen. Well, what brings me joy is finding one of those juicy little golden nuggets out in an Ozarks forest. You, I love you, finding gold. Brownwood. It's gold. They're gold, man. They're that gold. is the gold of, gold of the woods, it for is. sure. Gold of the woods. Well, what exactly is a morel, Ben? Maybe somebody is listening that has never found one. I know actually a lot of people. I know some really, really great outdoorsmen. I actually know someone who won. There used to be the Outdoor Life. uh, Maybe it was Field and Stream. They used to do an actual competition to make a TV show out of it called the Total Outdoorsman Challenge. And I know someone who won that multiple times, and they've never, I shouldn't say never to this day because it's been several years ago that they told me this, they never found a morel mushroom. Mm. Mm. And I was like, wow. So I know there are a lot of outdoorsmen out there that have not ever found one before. Right. And there are some people that aren't really, they're outdoors people, but they don't hunt. They don't fish. They don't do a whole lot of things outdoors. But when it comes time for morels, they put some miles behind them trying to look for these things. People go crazy. So if someone is a first timer, how do they find these? What do they look like? What is this thing that we're looking for? Yeah. You know, uh, Another example is ginseng. Ginseng gets people out like crazy because they can make money. Whereas these, we're not necessarily selling them, though you can. But these little, uh, I these think little it's golden... like $50 a pound. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy I mean, they, what they're, they're going for. Yeah. Um, you know, morels are a mushroom. Um, there are many types of mushrooms, but morels are mushrooms. And I think what really what causes this craze is that they come and go so fast. So morel mushrooms 
come and go so quickly, you only have really a few weeks to get in the woods, to find them, to harvest them, to, to collect them um, before they before they quit. And because it's so fast and furious, people go berserk. Because, yes, you can sell them, but, too, they taste so good. Right. They taste so good. So what you're looking for, this little nugget, right? The, a little white could be a little bit black, could be white. That's what's hard about them is because there are different colors. There are some different species. But here in Missouri, we have three species. Describe what it looks like, though. What and, what? How would you describe what it looks like? Because it's kind of a... <sighs> yeah, I'm going to say that um, you can find them as tiny as the tip of your pinky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to they can be as tall as, um, I don't know, six inches maybe. Uh, I don't know what the seen, record is. I've seen them like 10 inches to a foot. I've seen some big old yellows. But when they're out, let's just say for right now to to explain this, they're three to four inches yep. on average. That's going to be your average. Your yep. average, three to four inches. And they're going to be in the shape of a Christmas tree, but they look kind of like a brain. Okay. I'm there with well, you on and that. I'm saying a brain like like what we see the the wavy curvy pitted yeah. kind of like a sponge like a natural sponge like yes. you think of a, a... and I think it's actually going to be more like a sponge because it is pitted if you're finding mushrooms that aren't pitted they're actually brainy like yeah. that's bad but yeah. in this description I'm trying to describe so a christmas tree sponge okay but not green like a Christmas tree. Not green. No, no, not green. <laughs> Don't eat the green. Don't eat green. <laughs> but yellowish, whitish, grayish, sometimes kind of blackish in color. Um, and, you know, because we say Christmas tree, it's got this cone-ish top to a... A, yeah. a, a, a wider a, base. Oh, a skinnier base than the cone-ish top. You know, right. it's a skinnier base. Um, that looks like a mini little miniature Christmas tree. You know, there are a lot of people, I shouldn't say a lot, I know of people who don't even like them, but go look for them. Right. And so that kind of brings that back to that whole, like, why is, there is a absolute mystique yeah. around finding these. I mean, people go crazy to do this. They love finding them, and you you mentioned that they come and they go really quick. But yes, they do. People will go find them just to give them away to other people, and I think that feels good too. Like, hey, I found these. I know you love them. Here they are. So even if they don't like eating them, some people, and myself included, I put myself in this group, I absolutely love eating them. Mm -hmm. I love the way they taste. And part of that is what's so exciting about finding them for me is like I get to have this meal or two a year that I'm not going to get the rest of the year. And it's like this this special treat and it is a really good treat. But I really truly think that it is a task, like it is a challenge. And when you find it, it is so gratifying. So I, I think as humans, we are meant to have tasks and challenges and jobs. And when you find one, that you can achieve, it feels great. And this is a very achievable task going out and finding mushrooms. I think that's why people get so wrapped up around it is because it, it just is such a gratifying feeling finding these little treasures. Well, there are people that go out and find them to sell them. They, they are doing it to make money. You can grow these, but they're going to go out. It's, it's a whole lot faster and easier to go out and maybe find, if, especially if you have the land and the honey holes, the, the places where they're going to come up quite a bit. Ben, I do want to say that depending on where you live and how many morels, so the volume that you're finding and selling, you may need a license and a permit 
to actually sell them. Some places don't require that. So you need to look into that before you go but find a whole bunch and sell them. Make sure you are following your local uh, laws. Yeah, because you also have private land and you also have public land. So you may be out on pro- public property that you can't do that, but maybe it's just growing up in your backyard, your 100 acres that you own, it's yours. Um, so know the law before you, you uh, get into that. But people do sell it. And so that may be a reason why they're doing it. Um, but a lot of people truly love the taste of this mushroom so much that they want to go get as many as they can. And, and that's what they're doing. You know, Murrow mushrooms, when they come up in the spring, it reminds me of when I was a kid, Easter egg hunting. And I don't know if that's why I still want to do it because Easter egg hunting, it's a surprise. I want to go find an egg and I want to open it up because is there a dollar in it? Which, hey, maybe your family didn't put money in the eggs. I don't know. Maybe the the (laughs) mushrooms where you live have dollars in it. Well, maybe they do. But Easter egg hunting for me as a kid is now like mushroom hunting as an adult. Like I love doing, I loved going out and trying to find the eggs, seeing what's in them. And because I've outgrown them with my air quotes i've outgrown easter egg hunting now as an adult i get to go out and still hunt for something not me oh if there's money in them i'm hunting them (laughs) so so don't come over to my house then (laughs) because i think you're gonna get some quarters and pennies and dimes oh i'm in (laughs) i'm in you know it it's what i say it's it's like easter egg uh easter egg hunting for adults um there's just something about it for me I'm going to talk later about why why are all the reasons that I go do it, but one being that they do taste good. Ben, you've mentioned a couple times now that they this come and they come and go really quickly. They're the time for harvest; it doesn't last very long. You've mentioned that they come in the spring; they grow in the spring. Obviously, starting from the south uh, here in North America and the U.S., going north, it's going to be timed a little different for right. us where right. we live from the beginning of April, depending on conditions, really into the first couple of weeks of May, there's about a four to six week span there when you can go find them. But really like but that's, that our, that's our spring. Week, that's our spring. So, yeah. you know, even if you live up north, your spring, mm-hmm. your months of springtime are going to be different, but it is a spring mushroom. And if you will not find these outside of a spring season, no right. matter where you live. So, a little bit about what a mushroom actually is. So the, a mushroom is actually a fruit. It is the fruit of the fungus. Well, it's, a, it's a fungi. It's a, oh my gosh. <laughs> so you are not a mushroom. That's like such an eighth grade science teacher joke. Uh, hey, if there ever was I like one. Easter egg hunt, man. Oh my gosh. Moving on, a mushroom is actually a fruit of a fungus. So right. The, the fungus is actually living underground. It's like an apple. Yeah, so that's where the spores, which would basically be like the seeds, if you're talking comparing it to an apple, it has to come up. The spores are going to be in that mushroom, um, the spores and sporophytes, and they have to be grown and released. So for a species like a morel to continue to exist, they have to do this at least once a year, and this is their time to do that. But why it is short-lived is because for morels, the environmental conditions required for them to fruit and release spores is very, very specific, and it's a combination of soil temperature, air temperature, and moisture also in the soil and in the air, the humidity. So if all those things line up right, some years there's a whole bunch of morels. Others it's very difficult to find, 
and they're pretty short-lived. They dry up pretty quick because the environmental conditions play such a huge role in the actual life cycle of a morel. And the life cycle of a morel from coming up to drying up is about two weeks, roughly two weeks, maybe a couple more days than that. Again, depending on the conditions, it may get a cold snap and they only last a couple days. Yeah. And I think the other part is they do have to have a food source. They have to have those sugars, which when you're talking about uh, the temperature and talking about moisture, they do have to have that food source included for them to grow. Now, when you're talking about spores, you know, well, you and I were hiking, looking for these the other day. We were covered in pollen. I mean, knee to the top of your toe, completely neon green yeah. from oak pollen. Now, we can see the pollen, but you can't see spores from a mushroom. Right. You're not going to be able to look down and see it. But you being able to see the pollen lets you know the spores are doing the same thing. They're coming out and they're they're coming down onto the ground. Because once the spores are passed through, what, what are the spores, what are they finding? Like when they land... What's what's next? Are they creating a, a web-like structure underground? What is it that the spores are actually doing? Well, mushrooms, morel mushrooms, really reproduce or spread in two different ways. So we've already said that the actual mushroom is the fruit and it has spores. Those spores, once they're released from the, the mushroom, are actually carried away by the wind or by water, and they're going to deposit in a new st- new spot. And then it's going to take several years, like three to five years, and they're going to grow that mycelium, which is like their roots. It's like a web-like structure underneath the ground. Once that reaches maturity, then they can start growing more fruit. The other way they do it is mycelium that is already established will actually grow and stretch out and cover new areas just like roots. It is growing. And that's why a lot of times when you find a few morels, you know you're in an area there's going to be other morels because that mycelium is actually uh, growing yeah. and stretching out underneath the soil. Yeah, and for the wild mushroom, it's hard to pinpoint all of that. That's what's so crazy and, and surprising and fun about the morel mushroom because you're not always going to find them where you always think you're going to find them. Now, mm-hmm. with morel mushrooms, the one thing that we do kind of see consistently that I know Brian and I look for before we even go out is 50-degree temperatures. Now, in some of our past podcasts, we talked about bass and how like the 50 degree to 60 degree is like the sweet spot. Well, I'm here to say that's about the same for that morel mushroom. If you're chasing turkeys, you better be looking for morels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're catching bass off beds, you better be looking for morels. That's right. It is all happening at the same time of year, the same temperatures, the same daylight hours. That's why it's an awesome time of year. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it is hard to find that much free time to go do all of that stuff. <laughs> it is. But once you get free time... Um, you know, there are some, some groups out there. There's mushroom hunting groups that actually kind of track your local ground temperatures. So I know that, that I've been following one. They, they track that four inch, ah, four inches below the ground is what they're saying. And and they kind of show what your temperatures are in each of your counties. And that's honestly a great place to start. When you start seeing temperatures in the 50s, that's when people say they start finding these morel mushrooms. You talking about soil temperatures or air temperatures? Soil temperature. Soil temperature. Yep, soil temperature. You know, (laughs) here we are, while we're recording this podcast, this weekend they're talking about temps that are going to drop below freezing. Yeah. That is going to impact the mushroom fruit. I mean, the the actual mushroom coming up, it's going to impact us. And and I don't know know if it's going to be done or if they'll come back from that. But we have had a harvest already of a few, but this year has been not as good as last. Not as good as last. And honestly, that's because we've been dry. 
So mm-hmm. we, we've had the warm air temperatures. Our soil temperature has been reaching 50s. But, Brian, it has been so windy. Well, what does the wind have to do with it? Well, the wind, for me, actually, what I'm finding is the wind takes away moisture from everything. Right. So when, even if you have a, a, a okay rain, when you're hitting winds like we've had from 10 all the way up to 45 miles an hour, we've been having some days where we've had some from 60 miles an hour winds, it's been crazy, that evaporation is taking place everywhere, everywhere. And all of that water is leaving the ground and no longer... Do we have that moisture that we need for mushrooms? Yeah. Also, if a if a morel comes up and it gets super windy, mm. they may not reach maturity. So you may find them teeny tiny and dried out. They may never get to that that full size where they're going to release all their spores. Uh, whoa, they, whoa, 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 whoa! Mushrooms grow. Mushroom. Okay. Why? We I, we oh. do need to address this. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, because we do. some mushrooms pop up. They truly pop up like overnight, and I hear, I'm going to say I hear more people talk about morels popping up than I do people who don't talk that way. Morel mushrooms are not a popping up mushroom. They are a mushroom that grows. It takes, I'm going to say, it takes, I, I shouldn't say I'm going to say, they do take like six or seven days to reach maturity. So if you are looking for those three to four inch ones, it takes like a full week after they emerge. And then they're going to go, it's like climbing a mountain. That's like their peak. And then they start going back down. You can still harvest them until a point. But once it gets to like that two week point after they've emerged, they're going to start getting moldy and really drying out. And eventually they'll be completely laid over and unharvestable. You know, if conditions were perfect, absolutely perfect, they're going to tell you 24 to 48 hours at the minimum. That's perfection. We don't have perfection that's taking place. Yeah. Never. (laughs) Right. And that's why, for example, I have found morel mushrooms that I've left and they stayed the exact, I measured them. They stayed the exact same height from the day that I found them. I will say that they were hard as a rock when I went back, which that is the end of them. Well, they need to dry out to fully release their spores. That is something that they need to do for their life cycle. So they're going to come up when the moisture temperature is right, they're going to grow for several days, about a week, and then they're going to start that drying out process once they reach maturity so they can release all those spores so more mushrooms can grow. Uh, but yes, this is a growing mushroom. It does grow fast relative to like a, a woody plant, but it is not a pop-up. You are not going to look in a exact spot one day and then the next morning go back and find a four-inch mushroom. It's not going to happen. But then also, Brian, you have really kind of the different species. Um, I don't know if this is accurate in regards to biology and the processes, but from my experiences of going out and looking for mushrooms, literally almost every year of of my adult life, like there hasn't been a year that I haven't went out and at least looked. There have been some years I haven't found any because I've been living in different places that that uh, I didn't know very well. However, a lot of the times I will find like the what's called the black mushrooms. I seem to find them earlier, like first. They usually kind of come up first. Black morels. The black morels. Yeah, absolutely. And then from there, it kind of gets into I find the the whites and the grays. And then once we get kind of in that the high uh Everything's going great. Like everything is lining like it should. That's when I start finding the large yellow mushrooms and and continue to find some of the whites and, and grays. That's your biggest species, the yellow of, of the morel mushrooms. And you can pretty well know that once you start 
having a decent harvest of those larger yellow mushrooms, uh, you're getting towards the end of that season. You're yeah. getting towards the end of, of that harvesting season. And those yellow ones, they dry out pretty quick. I don't know if it's because they're taller and they're more exposed, but they do. Like, If you really want to time it right, once you find a, a, a morel, a yellow morel that is nice three, four inches and I'm going to use the word moist. Yeah. You better keep looking because (laughs) they dry out pretty quick. Yeah. No, definitely. Um, I have found some um, in around one tree where about three of them were like moist and and like they had just came up type of example. And then on the other side of the tree, I found two and they were, well, so dried out that there were some holes in them. Right. You know, so – when you find that spot where you're starting to see that they are, you cut them and they are moist, that is prime time. You better collect if you're going to, because if you leave them really honestly by that night, they could be, they could be dried out enough that you really don't want them. Right. Let me ask you this, Ben. Do you need to be careful? Like, is there anything else this time of year or other mushrooms that are growing in the same location and same timing that can mess you up? Yeah. You know, anytime that you're out, any kind of wild edibles, period. If you do not know what you're looking for, then don't eat them. Don't eat them. Um, you can go out and look for them. Go take a book. Try to find ones that you think are or aren't, but don't eat them. If you if you don't know what you're doing, don't eat them. If you want help, then take somebody that does know. If you're going to take a book along with you, then you better make for sure that you know what you're looking for. That but, is something about a morel, though, is like they are very, very distinct. There are. are a lot of mushrooms so in Missouri, we're just going to talk here in the in the southern Missouri Ozarks, we have a lot of mushroom species ranging from fatal, if you eat it, to a delicacy like the morel. Yep. But morels are very, very distinguishable. And now that we're saying that, that's probably one of the reasons that people like harvesting them so much is because it's kind of hard to mess up. But there is one. Yes. There is one that is actually called a false morel. Correct. It looks the most similar but it isn't really a, it is poisonous, but it isn't deadly. As a matter of fact, you were telling me that your grandpa eats it. <laughs> Do you think that's just because he's just done it for so long? But. Well, I've heard people call, they call them these, these beefy, the beefy morels. And I've looked up in a lot of books, especially in our local conservation department's books, and they always come back. To this example, and this is what I want to share. If if you cut a morel open, when you cut it in half, just right down the vertically cut it in half, and you open it up, if it's not hollow, then just don't eat it. Right. Don't even worry about it. Don't even try it. Yeah. If you cut it open and you even like, you know what, this looks like a morel in it, and and people say it looks like a morel, but it's it's not hollow. It's got still brainy like innards. Uh, again, if it is not hollow. Don't eat it. Don't even risk it. Get rid because the false morel is not hollow. It's brainy like. It's meaty throughout the entirety of the innards of the mushroom. So yeah. when you cut it in half, it looks on the inside just like it does on the outside. You want to stay away from them. Now, I know people. There's some people that may have eaten them or will eat them. I'm telling you, if it's a false morel, I ain't risking it. it no, because it, it can kill you. False yeah. morels have killed people years and years and years ago. Um, we're just talking about morels here. False morels do have that similar 
outer appearance. Yeah, they kind of have a darker, redder color. They are kind of yeah. a red in color, for sure. They're red in color. But they have that spongy, brainy, and they are very similar looking, but the shape is a little different. A lot of times they're a little more round. They're not that more vertical Christmas tree shape. And really the texture is what's what's the same, but they're, they're kind of a, a burnt rust red color as opposed to uh, the black, yellow, or white of the morels that you do want to find and eat. Uh, I will say this. Even if, we'll say you are with Ben and Brian, you're with us. We have been mushroom hunting. I'm going to say I have been mushroom hunting probably since I was one or two. My parents probably carried me with them on the farm my whole life. I've been mushroom hunting. Uh, you found mushrooms, morels, and we said... Yeah, those are morels, 100%. But you've never eaten one before? Don't gorge yourself. Proceed with a little hesitancy because, and really with all wild edibles, you don't know how your body's going to react. Correct. So just take a little bite. A little bit. Give it a little time. If it tasted good to you, your stomach's feeling fine, go on. I personally, I can eat a pound of them and, and see no effect. But I know other people, they can only have three or four bites and that's all their stomach can handle. They will get diarrhea, some people will vomit, and that's from the good morels. Yes. Everybody's body handles them differently. So proceed with caution. They are really, really good. I hope for your sake that if you get the chance to eat them that your body handles them well because they are tasty. False morels have a toxin that can sicken people and perhaps can kill people. And so it's not worth it. Don't even risk it. You know, you may know people that it may be unaffected for them. Um, it's not worth it. These false morel mushrooms are definitely reddish in color. They don't have pits. They have lobes and folds and flaps and wrinkles. They, they do look different. One more time, when you find morel mushrooms, when you cut them open, if they are not hollow, then don't risk it. Don't risk it. I think it's time to talk about how to find them. Oh, yes. This, Tips, tricks. Oh, my goodness. And you talk about... we. I get asked this a lot. This, These are questions that I get asked all the time about what trees to look by, when to go. I get asked all types of questions about how to find morels. When we run hikes or programs or anything guided in the spring, people are always asking, wanting to find, wanting to see. There is a lot of truth to some of it and some other things are honestly laughable <laughs> but some of them i used to believe right yeah you used to to try to figure it out right i want to answer it really simply this way that morel mushrooms are everywhere so the number one question i get asked and you're going to hear people teach all the time Look under such and such tree. Right. You gotta look by sycamores. Right. You gotta look by elms. Elm. And so people say, Where do I find morel mushrooms? And the answer is everywhere. But and I don't hear a lot of people teach that, but we teach that because we have found them growing out of rocks. Yes. Underneath cedar trees, which yes. people say, Never look by cedar trees, you won't find them there. Out of the side of trees? I, I literally <laughs> out of another tree. Yeah. Look everywhere. Everywhere. Spend time in the woods and move slow. Here's the two biggest. And and this is why I start off by telling you that they are everywhere because I have heard before like, oh, they're they're around sycamores. 
got to go to sick. I mean, as as soon as I got to go check my spot, I got to go buy sycamores. And let me let me tell you, they are. Yeah, there are mushrooms by sycamores. I've had guys. You got to go buy elms. They're, they're ash trees. Ash. ash ash trees are the only trees the morels grow by. I have heard people say that to me before. Right. And I'm like, no, they they grow by every tree. Here's another one. And this one, this is one that I used to to believe in so much, and it was called the, the May Apple. The May Apple is a little plant that comes up. <laughs> I forgot. And it's green. I forgot all about this And people one. tell me anywhere you find May Apples, you will find morel mushrooms. So I have never once, I have been told that a hundred times. I was taught the same thing. I have never once found a morel underneath a May Apple. I, never. I'm actually I never I, well, have. I'm going to call you out on I know that you have cuz I've been with you. It was down at a place we used to work and it was down on the bottom. <sighs> and matter of fact, that's what Yeah, the, they were ne- they were in the same area. They were under well, them. Okay. You're right. I will say I have found them underneath them, but they were in creek bottoms. Yeah. In the creek bottom. So the moisture in the soil and the soil temperature that may apples like is very, very similar to that of which the yellow morels like. So that is a good indication of, hey, you're in an area and in a time frame that is probably good for morels, but yes. there's no connection other than that they just like the same conditions. Correct. Yeah. But but if you understand that morels are everywhere, if they're everywhere, well, of course, you're going to find them yeah. under my apples. And you'll find more. You're going to find them by sycamores you're gonna find them by elms brian now i know it's probably because of the the tree roots but i have found them 10 15 feet away from trees what i'm identifying is out in the middle of nowhere uh, yeah i have found them in, in brush as yeah. i'm going through underneath not even close to trees most yes. people probably wouldn't walk through brush and be looking down because it's so thick briars well, and let all me that. ask you this have you ever seen someone cultivating morel mushrooms making them Growing them, yeah, they're not doing it around trees. No, it's it's wherever <laughs> it's the, in the soil where the mycelium mycelium's is. At, right. right, they it, don't need the trees. Just so often, the protection and moisture that the trees provide is where that mycelium can thrive. And there's not a whole bunch of animal traffic and all that. That's where they grow. You know what? I'm gonna. We need to post this. I gotta find it. So if you're listening, I gotta find this picture first. But I have a picture of a morel mushroom that is actually growing. Out from the side of the tree. Now, you know, this tree has moss growing up, you know, a foot off the ground. And that mushroom is coming out from that moss. But but I can't wait for you to see it because it's not in the ground. The mycelium's right. under that moss. It's it's worked its way up somehow. Um, they're everywhere, guys. Uh, under dry cedar trees. Yeah. I found, and the, the needles of the... Coming up through the needles. Some people always say to look in the bottoms. I'm here to tell you, we live in the Ozarks where we have like three to 400 foot elevation changes Yeah, every hundred feet. And guys, <laughs> I find them in the bottom. Yeah. But yeah. I also find them on top of the ridge tops that are so rocky. Right. These things are literally growing out in between the rocks. Here's a honey hole, honey hole, honey hole. Can you tell everybody about a honey hole that's in someone's driveway? <laughs> okay, we'll we'll just say we know somebody. <laughs> okay, that'll work. We know work. somebody quite well that uh they literally in their gravel driveway where people walk and drive they've ran over round, them. <laughs> these things pop up. Morels pop up every single year. 
one foot, two foot away from the asphalt road. Right, right. But they have literally driven over them not knowing that they were up yet. Yes. Now, when we say they're everywhere, they're everywhere. But I do want to narrow it down. I want to help because that can stress people out. I know it stressed me out if I was wanting to start – I wanted to start mushroom hunting and I didn't know what to do and someone told me, just go out and start walking. That kind of stressed me out. It it wouldn't help me in my search. And so narrow your search down first. Narrow it down. If you can identify sycamore trees, that's a if that's a tree that's easy for you to identify, then guess what? Start walking to sycamore trees and look around them. And when you start finding real mushrooms around the sycamores, that can alert you to, hey, now they're everywhere, so start really paying attention because that is a tip. That's a tip that I have that if you want to get into morel, morel hunting and you're like, Ben, I don't, I can't go search every single day, then first and foremost, make for sure that you find out that your ground temp is, is getting warm, you know, in the 50s. If you're starting to see May apples pop, just like Brian said, that's alerting you. Hey, morels could start popping. Then two, start going to the spots that you feel comfortable with. Like I'm telling you, maybe it's an elm, maybe it's a sycamore, maybe it's it's a creek bottom, but go to those places and once you start finding them, then guess what? Now start a big, big search party. You know, start right. start walking everywhere, looking everywhere within the ground. You're not looking up in the sky and in the treetops. Look everywhere on the ground. And you will be amazed at how many more you can find because now you're starting to look everywhere instead of just these these little spots that you you say that that they're the only only place that they may come up. Yeah, the people have shared so emphatically with me over the years the tree species that they believe they grow by. Right. Once I became a biologist and I have several years behind me now, I have learned where we live, I know most of the tree species. If if you give me a hundred trees in an area, I can identify almost all of them. So when we morel mushroom hunt, we stop. Ben, you'll even say, "What what tree is this?" And yeah. we stop. We identify it, and guess what? It's different almost every <laughs> single time. It is everything you can think of. We found I'm, one by hickory, hickory, hickory yesterday, dogwood, yeah. oaks, redbud, redbud. Red I mean it. <laughs> The, the cedar trees, that's the one that probably blew my mind the most when we found a... I mean, it was a good little patch under those cedar trees we found that one day. So yep. really just go out and look look everywhere. Spend, yes. spend time looking. You will be able to kind of see some areas that have more moisture. Be careful because it is a balance. Areas that are really, really moist, soggy, wet, that's too much. They don't yeah. like that. It, yeah. it looks mushroomy. People like to associate moisture with mushrooms but morels need the right moisture. So if it's dusty dry, probably not that great. If it's muddy wet, probably not that great. You need good, just kind of medium moist soil. So kind of focus on those areas, but a lot of times in the spring, that can be everywhere. Yeah, you know, ground tips are hitting 50 degrees, your air temps at least 50 degrees, and you're getting some rain, it is time to start checking. Go out and start looking. Again, I don't want to put anybody down. If your spot if, if you are the person's like, oh, I find them by elms, I find them by sycamores, I'm, I'm just telling you, go, go. They'll, they'll be there. That's awesome. Use those spots. Find those spots. But if you want to find even more, spread out. Start spreading out and looking around every nook and cranny that you can. You know, for me, mushroom hunting 
is 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 so exciting because I don't know where I'm gonna find them, and I don't always know when. And, and it goes back to those days of that Easter egg hunting. I'm searching, and I look around, and boop, there's one. But another tip for you is when you do find one, freeze. Don't keep walking around. Don't move those feet. Matter of fact, you might want to turn around and kind of gently move your feet to the side to make sure you didn't step on one because most of the time when you find one, you're usually going to find another. Mm-hmm. Not every time. I Don't don't hold me to that because we have found some trees that just had one on it. But remember, when you find one, stop, freeze, and look really, really good. I'm going to say within 10 feet around you, just everywhere around you, especially from your feet, five feet out, really look in a circle all around you to make sure that you find all of them because there's usually going to be more than one. Yeah, and a lot of times we can get caught up too. We'll see people that have, you know, 100 or 200 and they say they found them all in the same spot. That's pretty rare to happen. Some people have those spots like that every year, but a lot of times you are. You're going to find one or two here, five or six there. Sometimes you'll get lucky. I have found like 30 or 40 or 50 in one spot. And some of those I've just been out turkey hunting and stumbled right, upon. Right. Um, and really that's, you know, luck or a blessing. God showed me these mushrooms that day. But don't expect to go out every time and just get a, a bucket full of them. Right. And you don't need a bucket full of them. You know, if, if you were to go out and get, we'll say, 8, 10, 12 of them, that's enough to go home and have a, a meal and a share meal. three, yeah. four people. Correct. Even if you just had four, you know, you could go home and, and make an omelet or, or fry some up. So you don't have to get 200. As a matter of fact, if you get that many, you need to start learning how to preserve them because <laughs> yeah. it's hard to eat yeah, that Yeah, it is hard. It's hard to eat that many or, or have several people to share them with. Usually that's not too hard to find. Right. Now, another area that people have said that I've heard is south-facing slopes. And there is some truth to that because... You actually have taught this from deer hunting. You know, um, when you're looking for deer, south-facing slopes are different than (laughs) north-facing slopes. Why is that? What's happening there? Well, south-facing slopes are going to have received more radiant energy from the sun throughout the day. Um, So you can can look, especially in steeper areas, if you look at a south-facing slope and a north-facing slope, here in the Ozarks, you can stand at the bottom and see both sides really quickly. You will see different species. You may see ferns on the north-facing side and not on the south-facing side. So your soil temperatures are going to warm up first on the south-facing side. But then as you get later into the morel right. hunting season, that north side is going to have more moisture than the south-facing side because it's not drying out as fast. So that is another tip. If you're early, <laughs> I was going to say pre-spawn like we're bass fishing. If you're Getting out early before the mushrooms are wanting to start coming up, okay? Start on the south-facing slopes because they are going to be warmer, and mushrooms will probably start coming up on the south-facing first. Mm -hmm. Once they start popping up on the south-facing, now you can start searching on the north too because they'll be there, maybe just not first. Now, you were talking about finding basket loads, right? A bunch. If you're finding that many, my question is, what are you carrying them in? Right, yeah. You know, when you and I are out turkey hunting, in the past, I've had to use my hat. I've taken my hat off and I'm throwing my hat. But I've learned now, I've been around long enough that I carry 
something with me to always put mushrooms in in the spring season because I never know when I'm going to find them. My turkey vest definitely has a bag in it. I have filled my turkey vest many times with mushrooms. You know, there's a, a pack, a yeah. pouch in the back to yeah. actually put your turkey in uh-huh. after you harvest it. And I've filled it up with mushrooms before. What happens though is when I sit down or lean up against something, I forget they're there and I'll mash them. <laughs> And that hurts. So I learned to carry something in my bag. And I started out just carrying a Walmart sack. But then I learned that you should carry the best thing to carry, in our opinion, is a mesh bag. Yeah. And the reason for that is, again, these are sporophyte fungus. So as you're carrying them, this bag is exposed and you're carrying these funguses along, you're dropping spores. Right. And remember, where those spores fall, more mycelium can grow. And in three to five years, out of that mycelium, you will have morel mushrooms. So if you want to spread those spores, allow those mushrooms uh, to come up and you to have more places to go mushroom hunt, carry them in a mesh bag. You'll only be helping yourself. Yeah. You and I use mesh bags. That is, man, they're awesome because you can really keep it in your pocket and then pull it out or keep Mm -hmm. it in the back and then pull it out when it's ready to use. You know, some people that like, well, they call it more traditional, they may use like a wicker basket, something that's loose weaved, but yet still allows those spores to to fall through. So take your pick, but I do think it's better to to use something that's going to allow the spores to move than, than a plastic bag. Yeah. One tip I definitely want to share, I see a lot of people do this wrong, uh, come running up and say, hey, look, I found morels and you can tell pretty quick that they have made this mistake. And I used to make this mistake too. We put a video up on our social media pages of really, it was just a quick video of showing how Ben harvests a mushroom once we find it. And the key there is to cut it. You know, we always carry a pocket knife with us. You can just pinch it off with your fingernails, but what you don't want to do is actually grab it and pull it up out of that mycelium, pull it up out of the soil because you are, you're destroying, you're breaking, making voids in that mycelium and it damages it. So if you want to leave that mycelium whole so that maybe even more will pop up this season, but for sure that mycelium is whole and safe for next season so that you get more mushrooms. Cut them off at the base close to the soil. Do not pull them out. Also, it lets the mushroom hunter after you know, <laughs> I already got them because they see the little stones cut. Yeah, hey, if you're pulling it out of the ground, listen, you're not going to fry that up and eat it anyway. Right. Like. You're not eating that that bottom. You're cutting it off. So instead of ripping it all out and taking it back to the kitchen and cutting it off, cut it off in the woods or pinch it off in the woods so that you're protecting the mycelium. And again, you're not eating it anyway. So why are you ripping it out? Why are you taking it with you? Right. Um, Brian, when you, when you say pinch it off in the woods, we're talking about the the mushroom. The pinching the the mushroom <laughs> off from the base. Yeah. Now. Another quick tip, always take total paper when you're out mushroom hunting. You just never know. You never know. Now, with the morels, we've talked about what they look like. You know, there are false morels. If you're wanting to go search for these in your state, and hopefully you do, hopefully this fires you up and wants to get you out there, go to your conservation sites, your government, local site. There are so many pictures. There is so many books and and information out there for you guys to get it right so you don't get it wrong. Um, it's really your fault. If you go out and you're getting the wrong ones, it really is your fault because today there is so much information out there for you to get a hold of that's going to help you on your search. You know, when it comes to things like deer hunting or turkey hunting, a lot of people want to be on private land. Mm. It's easier to hunt private mm-hmm. land a lot of the times. People feel more safe and secure that way when it comes to hunting. One of the beautiful things about mushroom hunting is you may have some competition, but if you're willing to put in the miles and go to some some tougher places, 
Public land is a great, great place to start. Right. You and I were out yesterday on public land. That's where we found our mushrooms yesterday. You know, because of the conditions, it wasn't great. It was so, it was dry. I mean, dusty, dusty dry. We are later in the season. We've had some crazy temperature fluctuations. It's like you said, we've had 85. We've had some days 85. It's going to be freezing tonight, right. literally below freezing. Below we're going to get a frost. We're mm-hmm. in a frost warning. So we wanted to get out yesterday. Well, we this... found about a dozen, right. but about four of them were too dry to even harvest. So we left them there to let them to disperse their spores, and we brought eight nice ones home to eat. Right. Now, what's interesting, why this is different is because most years, you know, it may get cold and warm, cold and warm, cold and warm, but the mushrooms haven't come up yet. Right. And and like Brian just said, we found eight mushrooms. So now that we're going to drop not just a little frost, like you're going to have a frost on the ground. They're talking below freezing. Like mm-hmm. this is going to harm some of the trees that are producing uh, leaves already. You know, I don't know what that's going to do to I the mushrooms. I hope it kills the dandelions in my yard. <laughs> Wipe out the dandelions, yeah. but not the mushrooms for sure. Yeah. This area we were in yesterday, this is funny. Let's let's tell the whole story about this area that we Yeah, lay it in. out. Let's go. So Ben and I, we grew up in the same town, rural town. And kind of on the side of this town is a large state property. It's mm-hmm. like over 3,000 acres of state property. My family's land, his family land, but up to different sides of that. Growing up. We both mushroom hunted a lot. Ben is like 100 years older than me. Right. So we didn't really ever hang out. No. We no. knew of each other. Well, I was cool and he wasn't, so I, I only hung with cool no, kids. No, you so. were ancient and I wasn't. <laughs> so we didn't really hang out. As we got out of school and kind of out on our own and started working, that's when we really became friends. And then when we started mushroom and turkey hunting together, we discovered that we had the same mushroom honey hole. <laughs> same spots on... And I said, you know what? I have found some that were cut in here before, but we go to this area together now. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's fun to tell that story growing up that we used to hunt the same area for mushrooms, but now we get to share the harvest. Right. However, this is an area I, you know, I found like 50 in, in one day there before, but yesterday we hit it pretty good with two people, did not find any that somebody else had harvested and we only found a dozen. Yeah, there were, and actually we left two behind because they were just so dry you know they were done that's another thing if you're finding mushrooms that are dried out don't don't take them and try to to bring them back to life it can make you sick there is a certain time frame when you should be eating these if they're Mm -hmm. too dry too old leave them there go find some fresh ones don't don't risk it don't get sick right you know the somebody asked me that is not an outdoorsman why what is the thing with morels why do you guys even do it and for me one it is the most beautiful time of year to be in the woods the most beautiful you know what there's a f- sometimes a few ticks this time of year but it's not very bad you're it's not, not bad you're, you, you don't treat have your clothes if absolutely you have, yeah. yes but i'm just talking about the insect population is still that's why it's so it's spring like get out the insects are insect not bad population is low same can be said for snakes there's a few out but not a whole bunch the dogwoods are full bloom. Yeah, the red beautiful. buds are full bloom. There's mm-hmm. just enough leaves on the trees to start kind of making a canopy, but the undergrowth isn't so bad that you can't walk through. It is an awesome time to be out. It's like you can hike miles and not be sweaty and sticky. Like it's, yeah, the it's, temperatures. Temperature's nice. It's it is a great time to get outdoors, but also you can go do this. It doesn't cost any money. You don't have to own land. You got to pay for your gas to get there. Go put some miles behind you. If you've got a decent pair of, 
I've done it in Crocs, sandals, but tennis <laughs> shoes. You don't even have to have great boots. Go out and put some miles behind you and enjoy being outdoors. Bring a sandwich. Stop and have lunch in a beautiful spot that you find. Um, take kids with you. Kids can go do this. As long as they're able-bodied and they they can go walk around, this is just such a affordable, easy way to spend time in creation. It's so fun to take my kids because it is just like Easter egg hunting. They get so they, excited. They do. And it's, they look over. They don't see one. They keep walking. And then all of a sudden, like, when we say they pop up, it's what it feels like. Like, all of a sudden, it just popped up there at your feet. You didn't see it. And all of a sudden, now you do. That's another, you know, the very first time that you go out in the spring, it's kind of tricky. Uh, I I try to, oh, well, I get onto Google and I look up morel mushrooms and I try to get a visual real quick because until you find your first one out there in the wild, it's kind of hard to see them. But once you see one, just something about it, like it burns that image in and like now you're on. Now the hunt's on. Like you can see them. They start popping up everywhere. When I closed my eyes last night. (laughs) All I could see was morel mushrooms. Oh boy, and that is not a that is not a joke. That's mushroom fever. All I could see was mushrooms because we'd been out looking and finding some. Yeah. However, the you found the first one and you were like, "Hey, come over here!" Like you needed me to see it. Like yep. I needed to put my eyes on it in the ground because there is something about finding it. They do blend in well. They're they're the same colors as other funguses and and the leaves that are on the ground. So you need to see them. Okay, you got to tell everybody you. <laughs> You are trying something new. I've never heard this before. I've not I've not even heard of anybody that is even attempting to try to find a mushroom this way. But you got a pair of binoculars for was it your birthday or Christmas? No, I just bought you? some. Oh, you just bought yeah. some. You just needed them. Gotta have so you got some binoculars. What are you trying to use binoculars okay, for? Okay, here's where I got this from. I don't even think I told you where I drive no! where I drive this from. So for deer hunting Around here, acorns are, like, powerful. Like, you've got to know where the white oak acorns are, and not every tree produces, and not every tree produces every year. So one of the things to scout on a great places to deer hunt is to go out and find the trees that are producing white oak acorns. And you want to do that before the season, but it's really hard to see in the top of a 150-year-old white oak tree the little tiny acorns. So you take binoculars out and you can go stand and scan and look at the top of these trees and look at trees nearby you to see if they have acorns on them. So why wouldn't that work for mushrooms? Mm. So I took my (laughs) binoculars and I actually really liked it. I didn't find one this way, but I'm going to. I'm telling you, I'm going to. You could stand like if you were on a ridge and you're like, man, there's a lot of nice, big, mature looking trees here that look like it would be a good spot for morel. You can stand there and rather than walk and cover this whole ridge, because when you get in a a high density timber stand, it is kind of overwhelming. Even with two people, you're like, we can never cover every tree and you won't. But I felt like with my binoculars, I was going to be really efficient because I could go to a spot and look, you know, 40, 50 yards at all the trees that I thought may have a morel mushroom up close and personal with these binoculars to see if I could find any. And I really do think it's going to work. As a matter of fact, I thought it worked and I walked over to the tree. It was about 40 yards away and it was a white oak acorn cap. Kind of that brainy thing. It looked like a little mushroom. You got deceived. Like you think you'll see them. I found found what I thought was a morel ended up being just a leaf. But just the way it was positioned looks like a morel mushroom sitting there. Well, you tried something new this year, too. Well, We saw it on TikTok. You know, this is going around TikTok, and it's basically using 
um, thermal imaging is really what it is. If you have uh, a black and white setting on thermal imaging. Yeah, and it basically shows the different temperatures and, and people were finding moro mushrooms by using thermal imaging. I have thermal imaging, however, didn't work for me. Maybe mine's just cheap. Right. I don't know. The idea is is that a fungus is typically a few degrees cooler than the environment. And so you so can that, see the whites, right. the white pops through that. I got a fast story real quick. Fast one, the growing up, I tried this. I want to share this with you because it may save you time. <laughs> I thought that me and my friends had a genius idea. You know, when you look at Murrow mushrooms, most of them are the white ones. You got that whitish kind of color. If not, if it's the big yellows, the base of them are white. And when you go to any kind of uh, dance back in, you know, back in the 90s, our dances, we had black lights. And when you wore like white <laughs> shirts and if you went and dan- uh, you went to the uh, uh, rollerblade, they'd turn like the black lights on. Anything white was popping. And so we thought... Yeah, they'd go buy all those black light <laughs> posters and put them up in your yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We thought that, you know what? Maybe black lights would make these mushrooms pop. And so you could go overnight and just shine a black light. And so we were like, we got to do this. Well, <laughs> I have... How did you power the black light in the woods? Well, so the black light, I'm going to say it's about 18 inches in length, but it was a fluorescent style black lights. And that's what we used to put on our bass boats. When we had night fish, you have fluorescent line, you'd put on these black lights. But it takes a 12-volt battery. <laughs> so we pulled a 12-volt battery out of a car. One of us was holding the battery. It weighs the like other, 60 pounds. Yeah, they're heavy. <laughs> the other was holding a light. But to do the scientific study that we were doing. Scientific okay, method here, yeah. We found morels first mm. the day before. We knew where they were at, and we were going to go back at the nighttime and see if they would pop. Well, long, long story and a heavy, heavy story. <laughs> <laughs> Carrying a 12-volt battery through the woods is awful. <laughs> We should have put it in a backpack, you know it. But yeah. anyway, we got out there, and that black light really did nothing. It we did. did not see those morels any better than what it was producing the light just to see of a nighttime. So we failed. It was not successful. Black lights don't work, but they do say thermal imaging does. But it didn't for me. Well, I'm glad you shared that story to save some people some time. But I, <laughs> I, I don't know that there's a lot. Well, of- today we're talking. What is that? Twenty years ago, maybe. Today they have like handheld blacklight flashlights that you could now carry in a backpack and and carry with you. But it don't work, people. <laughs> it don't work. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't your friend. I know. You know what? I'd have been like, this is so stupid. Why? But you'd have done it. Yeah, yeah I would have. And then I've been, at the end of it, after, like, this is so dumb. Why but I wanted it to work. I wanted to find this tip trick that would, you know, increase my success. And Yeah. It. At the end of the day, just putting some miles behind you and yeah. spending time out there. And taking and water. Don't forget to take water. Water would be take a great water. thing to take. Uh, we really want you to go try it. Yeah. Go try it. Don't ask somebody where to go find them because people protect their areas Ooh, and their honey holes. Yeah, they do. I mean, they protect them. Some people look at you and say, well, I could tell you, but I have to kill you. Yeah. I mean, people protect their, they call them honey holes of where they find mushrooms. I mean, they, it is a lock and key thing. So nobody is going to tell you where they found them, but you just got to go out and, and spend some time in the forest looking under and around trees and yeah. you will, you'll find some. If you spend enough time out there, any public, you will find some. any public trail, 
you know, that's already created, go hike that. And while you're hiking it, this is just an add-on to your hike. It allows you to cover more miles without thinking about how many miles you're hiking. You know, I'm not encouraging this. I'm not encouraging this. However, I have been known to not always keep my eyes on the road because <laughs> I'm looking for things like deer and turkey and antlers. Um, but you can, if you're in a rural area while driving down the road, find some good mushroom harvest just in the ditch on the side of the road. And several times I have got a whole bunch of mushrooms just so like three, two, three foot off the road. Yeah, like maybe my eyes maybe peeled. at a stop sign. You go up to a stop sign, really look real good left and right. Yeah, yeah, it's right. definitely at a stop yeah. sign okay. for right. sure, good, for good. sure. But yeah, it's spring, wherever you're at, if you're spending time outdoors, keep your eyes peeled. If you're going with intent, find public land, ask your neighbor if you can go look on their land. If they're not, maybe share, say, I'll, I'll give you 10 if I find some. Spend some time outdoors. Get people out with you. Take your kids with you. They absolutely love mushroom hunting. My kids love eating the mushrooms, and that is one of my biggest reasons for going is that I love eating them, but I love that they get excited about me bringing them home. My oldest son, Hayes, everybody he's seen in the last 24 hours, he said, guess what daddy brought home yesterday? <laughs> mom is out of town, so he he calls his mom and says, mommy, guess what daddy brought home? It's like the first thing he wants to talk about. So... Please share this with others in your family. If you do go mushroom hunting, if you find morels, we want to see them. Yes. We want to see them. So send us your GPS locations <laughs> and your pictures. <laughs> All that can be sent to m2boutdoors at gmail.com. Share pictures with us. Uh, we have that podcast page, Meant to Be Outdoors right. Podcast Q&A, our Facebook, our Instagram, our TikTok. Whatever platform that you listen to the podcast on, would you please hit the automatic download? Uh, more downloads, the better for us. That helps us grow the podcast. It helps us move up the rankings so that more people see it when they're looking for outdoor content. Please leave us a review. That helps us a ton on the charts to leave us a review and a rating on the platform that you listen. If you would be so kind to help us financially, if you feel it in your heart and you're able to help us financially, there is a link on our Facebook page, on our TikTok, and on our Instagram. You can just click the link in the bio. There will be a Patreon button. On the Patreon, you can sign up to be a $5, 10 or $25 a month member. And you have no idea what that would mean to us, how much that would help us. If you do the 25 we will send you a Meant to Be Outdoors hat. We are so thankful that you have listened. We are so thankful for episode 100. Remember that next week... We are moving to one episode a week, so there'll be no episode on Tuesday. Thursday, we'll be re releasing a brand new episode. Between now and that time, we hope that you find time to get outdoors. And as always, remember that you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.